Welcome back to episode 22 of What Do You Want to Watch, the show hosted by myself, Nathan English, and David Dirks. And this time we're going to be talking about 2022 as a movie year. David and I have both seen quite a bit of movies from this year, and we're going to be breaking down our three favorite and the three worst ones that we've seen, and as well as talking about you know, movies we're anticipating later on and how we felt this year has been as a whole. All of that is coming up next, so stick around. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we're talking best and worst movies of 2022, but I want to open, David, with asking you how you felt about this year as a movie year. You know, this is really the first year where we've had a return to cinemas. A lot of movies are breaking that $100 million mark at the box office. It feels like a lot of people are going back to the movies. That's all great. We love that. How are you feeling in terms of quality product coming out? Um, Kind of just looking at the movies that have been released. I feel like it's kind of been okay. I feel, like, I feel like it's okay. not been um, it's not been stellar. Like there've obviously been some good movies, really good movies released, but overall with the amount of that that we're seeing, I think it's I think we we're seeing an okay amount as far as quality. What are you thinking? Uh, I think I would I would tend to agree. Um, and I think the way that this works is we probably won't get a lot of the. Uh, the kind of more I, I, I hesitate to say high art because that sounds pretentious, but a lot of the like big movies thus far have just been mm. ultra blockbuster franchise films. So I'm interested to see kind of more of the smaller movies that hit um, or the independent movies that hit Netflix or just come out to theaters. What's going to happen with those um, and and how how those are going to impact? Because I think right now, yeah, I would agree that. Some of the content has been okay. I would argue that a lot of the movies at the top have been really good. We've also got some pretty big clunkers that we're going to talk about as well. Yeah. Um, but if you compare this to years past, I think it's it's probably the best movie year we've had in a while just because movies are actually coming out. You know, a lot of these movies, you know, for example, not to steal, your, steal our both of our thunders, but Top Gun Maverick was a movie that had been filmed four or five years ago and had been on the shelf for a while and it's just finally coming out so it feels like we're getting kind of some stacked releases early on in the year that was helping us now as we drift past the marvel kind of mega blockbusters i wonder how this rest of the summer and the fall is going to shape out but i'm pretty excited mm-hmm. right now for what we got in the future and going yeah. with that what what are you looking forward to the most? Give me like one, two movies you're looking forward to the most in the second half of this year. Um, I think the first thing that comes to mind is Nope. Jordan Peele's next uh, film. Absolutely. I mean, July 22nd, I believe, in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, dude, I don't know what the heck that, that's going to be, but he's not failed us yet. And I just, I think he's just, a genius when it comes to directing and the way he shoots and the way he films. And yeah, man, I'm, I'm kind of pumped uh, to see what that's going to be about. I'm really mad. Um, not at him. I don't think this is his fault. I really didn't want to watch trailers for that outside of the first trailer that I saw. Mm-hmm. And 
this next trailer that they've been showing, and the only reason I've seen it, I had not searched it out, but it's been playing before movies that I've gone to see. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of reveals a little bit more of the plot of what's going on. And I really didn't want to know that. Like, I, I was so trusting in Jordan Peele that I was ready to go in blind, knowing absolutely nothing and watch the film. And now I feel like I have to, you know, I ha- already have this kind of expectation of what this story is going to be. And I didn't want that. So that's kind of disappointing. Mm-hmm. But I would agree. I'm I'm very excited about that. Yeah. I've actually already purchased a ticket to go watch that when it comes out. Dang. <laughs> so, so, but yeah, there's, I have a couple, uh, I think just, I'm going to go see the avatar. I think that's just, however you're interested, like that's just going to be something that you should see on the big screen with, mm. we just know that it's going to be at least visually a, a, a stunning movie. Now I don't know about anything else, if it'll be good, but we know stu- like visually wise, it'll be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Amsterdam, it's kind of a more under, uh, the radar movie that's coming out: Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, John David Washington, Anya Taylor Joy, oh, yeah, Zoe that's Saldana. That, that's the David O. Russell movie, isn't it? Yeah, that, that seems interesting. So there's a couple uh, that I'm excited for, uh, and some that I didn't mention. Yeah, I, I think mine, uh, since mine's probably Nope is one of the most anticipated. I'm extremely excited for Olivia Wilde sophomore movie, directorial movie, and that is Don't Worry, Darling, starring mm-hmm. Harry Styles and Florence Pugh. It's kind of this supposed to be this psychological thriller horror movie mm-hmm. um, about like a, you know, a 50s housewife that lives in a, like a utopian community, but then starts to uncover some secrets about what's going on. I'm just really excited for that. Obviously, if you've listened to the show at all, you know that in Florence Pugh, I trust. So anytime there's going to be a Florence Pugh movie on the docket, I'm going to be pretty happy about it, pretty excited I'm ready to go. So that's the one I'm anticipating. And then there's some smaller ones that I think are fun that I'm going to look forward to. Next is one coming out this next weekend. Um, and that's the gray man, you know, this mm. Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans vehicle that is directed by the Russo brothers. And is supposed to be this like action thriller spy movie that it's, it's dropping to Netflix. And I'm, I'm pretty excited for that as well. Mm. I think that has, the propensity to be, if not great, at least a fun time for me. So I, I hope we get some more of those. Um, it feels like we're kind of in a dead zone after the two Marvel movies and, you know, Batman and Top Gun Maverick, these monster movies that have come out. You know, it feels like we're in a little bit of a dead zone content wise, but I'm excited for some of the smaller stuff. This is what I like because sometimes I'll get caught off guard by a movie um, coming out in the next couple of weeks and I'll see it listed at, at the movie theater i'll go hmm, i'll give that a shot so yeah that's yeah. what i'm looking forward to do you think it'll top 2019 and here are some of the movies that came out in 2019 parasite portrait of a lady on fire little women 1917 jojo rabbit the lighthouse claws knives out marriage story uncut germs uh gems avengers <laughs> avengers endgame the irishman book smart midsummer ford v ferrari joker huh yeah, no. And no, us, uh, no. John Wick it's, 3, uh, Rocket Man. Uh, there's just so many. I would argue that that is one of the 10 best years in film ever um, in terms of just high quality content at the top. Man. Um, it, like the best picture race could have gone to four or five different movies. I, I think Parasite was the right choice, but it could have gone to four or five different ones. And I would have been extremely happy with that so no i in short no i don't think that's possible 
Um, I mean, you have, you know, three probably of my favorite movies of all time mm-hmm. in, that you just listed, you know, in yeah. that in that year. So no, no, I don't think we're going to get that. But I think we're better than 2020 and on pace for better than 2021 as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as we, a lot of people and myself included pay attention to box office, you know, a lot of quality movies sneak under the radar um, and aren't played everywhere. And there are technically 2022 movies, but most of us won't see them until 2023 on streaming services. And that's where you can find some real gems too. So mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm excited for that. I'm excited to discover some of the movies that I know I am inevitably going to miss this year. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. We, we might as well just get into the best and worst conversation. I'm, I'm excited for this. David, the way that we're going to do it just for everyone is we're going to try to go from the bottom up from our lists. So from three to one, however, we're going to alternate each giving a best and worst. So we're not just balking you down with three movies we think are great and then ending it with three movies we think are awful or vice versa. So David, give me the third worst movie you've seen that's a 2022 release. So my first one, my the best of the worst category, <laughs> uh, number three is Windfall. Uh, Charlie McDowell directed movie, Eagle, Lily Collins, Jesse Plemons, and Omar Leva. Sorry if I said that wrong. Uh, and yeah, it, it's kind of it's kind of a fun movie, really, because it, it takes place in, in one setting. It's one of those kind of like middle and post COVID you have one of those like one location films. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this movie kind of continue with that. There's really three uh, actors in the entire film. Uh, and the concept I thought was really cool. And uh, for me, it just kind of, which maybe a low budget film or horror film, how horror films do is it just kind of fell apart as it went on. Uh, how much are we giving up with these movies? Are we just kind of talk? We, I don't want to spoil them just in case. I mean, the worst ones, people may be fine with us spoiling. That's it true. They might not want to watch it, but I don't want to spoil them too much. Um, I will tell you that your worst movie will, will be spoiling heavily because I don't want anybody yes. to ever see that garbage. Yes, um, we are but protecting people. No, I don't think you have to spoil it. So you're saying that this is a movie, great premise, you know, interesting ideas and just didn't work, just fell apart as it kept going. Yeah, and even the performances were good. Jesse Plemons, as many of people have seen, he's really good in just about anything he's done. And Lily Collins and Jason Siegel did, did good as well. But yeah, just I think for me, it's character choices uh, as the movie went on kind of just made, made me scratch my head. Um, but it's honestly, it's not something that I'm never going to watch again. Like if people want to watch it, you know, and the majority wants to watch it, I'm like, yeah, I'll watch it again, you know? So it wasn't like horrible. Uh, but for me, it just kind of fell apart, and uh, it was kind of like, eh, that mm-hmm. would that have happened, or was that the right decision, or you could have done that actually, you know. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's that's number three for me, windfall. Mm-hmm. Okay, so mine is going to be a much larger movie that everybody's probably heard of, and it is my third worst 2022 release will be Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. Um, How I know could you. I know that a lot of people are going to be maybe shocked by that, but here is my argument and and let me lay it out for you. First of all, the Jurassic World films have had a steep drop off in quality. I think Jurassic World was a fun movie. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's Dominion, not Fallen Kingdom. I don't know why. I I just realized that. That's I was like, I'm just gonna subtly change. (laughs) 
No, you get no, Good idea. Scratch that. Jurassic World Dominion. I'm sorry. And that's because the last two movies in this series have been so forgettable that I have actually just mixed up the titles. Um, <laughs> so this movie just relies solely on, oh, my God, look, it's characters from the original movie are on screen. Isn't this cool? Mm-hmm. It it. It really just it's much more in the Ghostbusters legacy sequel vein than it is in the Mad Max Fury Road legacy sequel. Mm-hmm. You know, I I really wanted to like this movie. I had knew going into the theater that it had been getting bad reviews and it it did not hold up for me. Uh, I think the main pro- one, the plot lines you're not even going to remember from the previous one, but yeah, it, it's a recycled story. And the action isn't that great. And the performances seemed at many times mailed in. Um, but we don't even get that many cool dinosaur sequences in this movie. And mm-hmm. and that's really what I wanted. And we're recycling the same, like, T-Rex is now a good guy that has been in the last three movies. Um, yeah. T-Rex is, like, the savior that, that we keep doing. But... This was a movie that had bloated runtime. And just to give you an idea, I knew it was going to suck because the opening of this movie, I'm sorry I'm going to spoil this part for you, but it's the first three minutes, opens with a newsreel shot, you know, kind of TikTok news organization style of what happened since the last movie with some boring narration over it and like eight location jumps and stuff. And the entire premise of that is you're supposed to figure out that dinosaurs and humans aren't good at living together um which we know that we've seen the other jurassic park movies you didn't have to nail that point down we already got it and from there it doesn't get better Mm. you know the meme of of chris pratt doing the stop hand motion thing to everything he sees is really true he does it like 11 times in this movie um but it was just very frustrating a very frustrating watch for me yeah i um I mean, I still want to watch it. It's Jurassic Park, and there's cool dinosaurs running around. So that's somewhat entertaining. But I was like, it was kind of towards the back end of its release. I'm like, I don't want to go spend money to watch this, just seeing the reviews and seeing your reviews. So I haven't seen it. But, yeah, that's I've consistently heard, like, you know, at, at its highest from people, like, dinosaurs, and I love this entire universe. So I enjoyed this movie. That was, that was about as good, you know. But consistently it was like, man, this – it's just the same. Th- I mean, there's only so much you can do with dinosaurs. I feel like, and especially in this right. plot, like really, they ha- that these three new movies have not done much newer than the original three did. Besides, you know, creating a massive amusement park, um, mm-hmm. which in a way was it was kind of done already, but not on this big a scale. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I- I'll probably watch this eventually. It'll probably drop on HBO or something, and I'll watch it, and then I'll probably be like, eh. That was, I could have gone without seeing that. That's probably what's going to happen. So, yeah, yep. All right, all right. That was transition, David. <laughs> transition, David. Let give us some, give us some light, give us some hope here. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the third best, my third, my third ranked favorite film. I'm just going to say it. That's confusing. The Northman. Uh, Robert Edgers, Edgers, not Edgers, uh, came out this earlier this year. Actually. Nathan and I saw this in theaters together, yes. uh, starring Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, 
uh, and a handful of others, uh, really good. You got to mention Anya Taylor Joy. You better mention Anya Taylor Joy. Okay. Well, I didn't know how much I was gonna like actually give up, but yeah. She's in Ethan Hawke, Ethan Hawke, William Defoe, among really many others. This movie was freaking weird. Uh, I'll say that, and it was not what I was expecting, but it was different, and I think that's why I liked it. Right? It wasn't your classic war movie. Uh, with just this crazy violent scenes, which are entertaining, don't get me wrong. But like they really kind of put a different spin on this style of movie. Robert Eggers did. Uh, And, you know, he's in his young career, right? He has The Lighthouse, The Witch, and The Northman. It's pretty good so far. Uh, And I I don't think he disappointed here. Um, So, yeah, kind of at times I was kind of uncomfortable and kind of like freaked out. But overall, I was like, Wow, that was really good, and that's really kind of unlike anything I've seen. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think we both knew going in that it was going to be weird because we yeah. had both seen Robert Eggers movies before. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not prepared for strangeness, it's going to catch you off guard a little bit. Um, you may not like it because of that. Yeah, this movie is not for everyone. My dad actually just watched this movie last week, and he said he hated it, um, <laughs> which – it, it was a little disappointing. This is a polarizing movie, um, but I would give it a chance, honestly. Yes, it's weird, but the cinematography alone in this film is is so great. There's one yeah. scene in particular that I don't want to spoil because I think people should just see that, but David probably knows exactly the scene that I am I'm referencing, where when you see that, you're just in awe as soon as it happens. And that... That's one of the things Eggers does, the camera movements. And this is probably the last time he's going to get to make a big budget movie because it didn't do well, despite doing really well critically, it didn't do well at the box office and will likely, you know, be the last time he gets $100 million to make a movie. But I, I, think, it's, I think it's a great film and one that people should at least give a chance. So I'm glad you had it on your list. Yeah, yep, I liked it. What's yours? So... <laughs> The the long-awaited actual conversation about the Come movie on. Ambulance. Come on. The a- Ambulance is my third favorite release mm. of 2022. Not actually, quite honestly, because David has some of mine on his, but we didn't want to just talk about the same movie, so we want to give you a selection. So Ambulance was some of the some of the most fun I've had in a movie theater in the past two, three years. Um, it, it's just a wild ride. It, it is... It's got all the hallmarks of a Michael Bay movie. You know, it's got those low camera shots where he's shooting up at everybody. It's got some lens flare stuff. It's got, you know, every Michael Bay movie has to either have the police or the military be an essential part of the plot. Um, It's got some cool slow-mo action moments. But what is great about this movie is, first of all, it's a chase movie the entire time, pretty much. But Michael Bay, somebody, some blessed soul on this planet showed Michael Bay YouTube videos of people doing drone races. And Michael Bay decided, what if I shot a chase movie with drones? So he hired a drone pilot and that was, that was just most of the action scenes. Like there's a, I can think of one in particular where they're driving through a parking lot and the drone like, whips around does a 360 turn around the ambulance goes under it goes over a police car that's flipping over and then under another and then comes back around to be right behind the ambulance it's Jeez. just it's just so cool it, it this isn't a movie where you're going to be like wow 
the character development in this was superb. <laughs> but it's a Michael Bay movie. That's not yeah. why you're going to watch it. And, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal and Yaya Abdul-Mateen are are doing a good job, but Jake Gyllenhaal in particular is just like, yeah, I'm going to be the craziest person ever just because he, I'm going to Does he scream? Fun. Does he scream in this movie like at somebody? He's, he is screaming all the time. Bro, he, he always does that. He is like, you know, the parts of the 1995 movie Heat with Al Pacino, he is just <laughs> doing that the whole movie, just yelling and over the top and always screaming at everything. And there's a lot of, they do a good job with tension in this movie. Yes, it's a little bloated, but the chases are fun. Um, I, one of my friends, Michaela, was laughing at me because I thought this movie was good. And then she has now seen that movie twice. <laughs> um, and she also thinks it's amazing. So I, I would encourage, if you want to have a fun time, like even if you don't great when you come out of it, I guarantee you're going to have a good time. So mm. this is my pitch. Watch Ambulance. It's my third best 2022 release. Good stuff. Um, all right. Back to me on my bottom list, my second Second worst movie of 2022 is Death on the Nile. It's technically the second uh, release of this Kenneth Bra- uh, Branagh. Branagh. Is, how do you say his last? Branagh. Branagh. Okay. Second release, right? His first being Murder on the Orient Express. Uh, they are connected. Uh, and Based on the Agatha Christie novels. And what's the yeah. inspector's name? Inspector Poirot, I think. Uh, yeah, Perot and Hercule Perot, and and the same detective is in that Murder on the Orient Express. That's about the only thing that ties it together. Um, yeah, you know, again, it's like it's interesting. I feel like Knives Out started this. That's a successful drop, and then you have like kind of movies that come out that kind of resemble like that similar. Like there's a big group of people and someone's dead. Who did it? You know. Um, which are entertaining. Like I watch them and I really, this, this movie had uh, potential and I just think where it kind of fell through was really the acting for me. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to say this and I may get hate, but Gal Gadot is really not that good of an actor. Yeah. I, you She's and really I have been not. on this train for a while and I would, I would agree. I think Wonder Woman is the perfect part cause she's supposed to be a fish out of water and not understand what's going on. But yeah, and all the other stuff I see her in, it just feels really wooden and awkward. Yeah, she wasn't the best in this. Um, and I think it's not just her. I think along with it, um, yeah, not all the performances were great. And also just thinking about this plot, they all knew who he was. He's the one. He's considered like the world's greatest detective. So why plan this elaborate murder if you know that the world's greatest detective is on the boat and you can't go anywhere? Clearly, they're going to figure out. He's going to figure out who did it. It's a good. So it's a, it's a good. It's a good question. Um, yeah. It's a, so like, it's a very good yeah. question. And there yeah. were a couple parts like the CGI wasn't very good. You know, it's still, honestly, like, yeah, it's my second worst movie. But again, like, this isn't. Um, oh my! This isn't Free Guy, right? If someone, if the whole group wants to watch it, <laughs> I'll be like, sure, I'll watch it, right? If it was Free Guy, I'd be like, heck no. I, I love the free guy slander. I hate that movie so much. You know, like, I'm not going to choose to ever watch this again. But again, if it's on, sure. Like, I got nothing to do. I'll watch it. But for me, again, and especially I liked Murder on the Orient Express. Um, 
I think it was pretty decent and it was better than this one. So I think coming into mm -hmm. this, I was kind of expecting somewhere um, just quality and I, I didn't get that. So that's my number two. Here's the question that I have for you before we move on real quick. A lot of these whodunit movies, um, if they're not well-made, will fall apart on the second viewing. I think Knives Out sticks out in that part. I think also the movie Clue sticks out and that it's a whodunit movie that you can rewatch because the rest of it's so good and you start to notice things. Do you feel like this is one of those whodunit movies that would fall apart on a rewatch? Uh, maybe, but I will say I... Um... I was surprised by the, the person that did it. Um, okay. So maybe, again, I'm like, okay, that was obvious. But I'm not going to lie. I was all in on a character, and it ended up not being uh, just them. So I was like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, okay, props to that. You know what I mean? Um, but, again, that's something I may have to watch again to, to yeah, to figure that out. But, um, mm -hmm. yeah, number two is Death on the Nile. Okay, my, my number two, my second worst movie of 2022 um, is also another water-related movie, and that is the psychological, I guess, erotic thriller is the kind of subgenre classification known as Deep Water, starring Ana de Armas and Ben Affleck, something I would like to call Gone Girl Light, or what would happen if somebody had watched the movie Gone Girl and saw Ben Affleck and thought, I could make another one of Gone Girl, but forgot that they weren't, in fact, David Fincher and that they did also not have Rosamund Pike in this film. And it's just, it's not good, guys. My, um, my brother my brother in Christ, why did you end up watching this? Because you said you probably weren't going to. <laughs> so I, I ended up watching it because a couple of people that I trust had watched the movie and said that while the movie certainly had its flaws, it was fun. So I was kind of given a ambulance, I guess, pitch mm. and that the movie has flaws but it's fun but i didn't have fun watching this uh i think the relationship between anna Darmus and ben affleck is barely believable at best and downright awkward and strange at worst uh which is weird because at the time they were actually in a relationship in real life um but i think a lot of this movie falls apart and especially the last 30 minutes turn into this weird like shifting trying to be tense action movie that I just don't think it earned. Um, so yeah, a lot of this stuff is is dumb in this film and just very strange. There's a whole slug um, subplot that's a little weird. Yeah, the slug subplot. I know, but that happened. So yeah, I just wouldn't say anything about this movie was great. And while it certainly is not terrible production value-wise, I mean, it's well-made, there's multiple, I would say there's multiple reasons that Disney decided to pretty much shelve this and just drop it on Hulu rather than have it be a release. You know, famously, Ana de Armas and Ben Affleck broke up after this movie and weren't going to be available on the press tour. But I think that Disney sure. probably recognized, mm, we don't really have a winner here. Let's kind of put this story out. So, yeah, it's it's just absolutely wild. So it's not funny. It's kind of sad, but it is kind of funny that they broke up after this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's because they both knew the movie was going to be bad. I don't know. <laughs> um, oh, this was boy. also one that I think was filmed long before, I think was filmed before COVID and then has just been sitting and waiting. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I was just disappointed. I was, I was kind of hoping for 
you know, I was hoping for Gone Girl Light, you know, and I don't even think it reached that level. It was Dang. like Gone Girl LaCroix. I don't know. It was bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. We get to move on? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, my second one, and honestly, second my top – my top two, these are pretty, these are very close, very close okay. for me. Uh, but I'll first, my second best for me is gonna be the Batman, Matt Reeves. Bum, uh, bum, yeah, bum, come on, bum, bum. come on, let's go. Matt Reeves rendition of the Batman, starring Robert Pattinson as Batman, Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman, Paul Dano as the Riddler, Jeffrey Wright as James Gordon, John Turturro as Carmine Falcone, Peter Skarsgård, and so on and so forth. Colin Farrell, I will give him a shout out as the penguin. Uh, dude, movie blew me away. I wasn't ex- I wasn't getting my hopes up. You know, I was like, you know, The Dark Knight for me is is the top Batman movie. Like, I don't want to go in expecting pieces of The Dark Knight or this or that and be disappointed. So I'm just right now going to think about it. Going to go in open minded, and I, I think I was uh, awarded uh, for doing that because I, I really had a very good experience. Um, I loved. Robert Pattinson's version of the Batman. I loved Paul Dano as the Riddler. Um, and I just love the tone of the movie. It, this movie is 177 minutes long, but you don't really feel that way uh, when you're just kind of in the midst of this because I think Matt Reeves does a very good job of, of, of writing, uh, understanding the scripts, and then just shooting this movie in a way that, you know, you don't feel like you're in hour three of, of watching this. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, really, really watched it twice now yeah uh and i i truly enjoyed it uh nathan what were your thoughts on this movie um i mean we've already dedicated you know like a whole episode to it and, and then in part of another episode um but yeah i would just echo what you said I, I just really really enjoyed the pacing of this movie really enjoyed the idea of it i also really enjoyed that it didn't try to emulate the dark knight Mm-hmm. um in many respects uh it it had its own unique tone its own unique style and it it went for that which i think is necessary um when you're bringing back a character that has had you know multiple iconic iterations in the past you have to find your own way to do it and have to do a new take and i think that making this you know sort of a noir you know serial killer crime movie almost like a like a batman in 7 was really smart it's just a really yeah. smart move and i really enjoyed it so yeah, I honestly don't know how they were able to make it so different than Dark Knight. Like, it, I mean, maybe maybe this isn't as difficult, but you get so stuck in a certain mood. Like, like, like the Joker, you get so stuck in, like, Jack Nicholson's rendition. And somehow the next guy, you know, is able to make it so different. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that really speaks to Matt Reeves, and in this case, Heath Ledger. But speaks to Matt Reeves' like creati- creativity of being able to make it something different and make it his own, so... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I, I wouldn't be surprised if most of you guys have watched the Batman because I feel like that's probably that might be a top three. That's probably top five movie of 2022 so far, just in regards of, you know, success and, and, and popularity and, and views. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's my number two. So my number two is, is a much smaller film, but one no less audacious, I would say movie everything everywhere all at once which is an a24 multiverse movie that has nothing to do with comic books um (laughs) it's a movie directed by the daniels daniel shiner shiner sorry and daniel kwan um who have also 
collaborated on movies in the past. Probably the most famous example would be the movie Swiss Army Man starring Daniel Radcliffe. Another Daniel. Wow, a lot of Daniels up in this. But this movie I was worried about when I went to go watch it because um, famously when – and the first, I think, month after this movie had been released, it was the top-rated movie on Letterboxd history. Um, for wow. those of you that don't know, Letterboxd is a film social media site that David and I both use that is at times very film bro and film scholarly. So for a movie just released to be pushed that high was a high bar. And man, is this movie good. Um, <laughs> I don't... I, I just put it to... Two, because I, I didn't, I just have probably have recency bias with the movie that's number one, but this is maybe the best movie of 2022 that I've seen. Mm. At times, it is the silliest, most ridiculous movie I've ever seen. Um, there are some absolutely insane plot points in this movie, but it's also the most heartfelt movie that I've seen this year as well. A movie that actually made me cry in the theater while also making me laugh. Like, I ran through the gamut of emotions. Um, shout out Eric Peterson for taking me to this movie and telling me that I had to see it in theaters. He was absolutely correct in that mm-hmm. regard. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say other than you just gotta, you just gotta watch this movie. It's, it's absolutely crazy. Um, I, just a, a little bit about the plot. It's, it's about a Chinese immigrant who has moved to the U.S. and is running a laundromat and is about to get audited and probably owe a bunch of money in taxes because she has not paid taxes properly the last couple of years. Um, and at the same time, there's clearly something going on between her and her husband and her relationship with her daughter. Um, and, you know, all of that sets the stage for a giant battle across the multiverse that includes insane kung fu moves and something about an evil bagel. And that's all I'll say. That That's all I'll give you plot-wise. Um, mm. But it this... this had exceptional, exceptional performances. I would be shocked if Michelle Yeoh is not nominated for Best Actress. Um, Kehue Kwan returned um, from, he was a child actor, most famously in Temple of Doom and Goonies, that mm. kind of was getting typecast and left Hollywood, and then it's come back, and this is his first appearance in a long time, and he's fantastic in this movie. Uh, I would him. just say that, Top to bottom, yeah. That he's it's really, really heartwarming when you know his story to watch this movie and just watch how great he is in it. I would say top to bottom, just one of the most entertaining movies that has really no slow or dead spots for me. So wow. I, I would heavily encourage everybody to go watch this, no matter who you are. Yeah. Uh, I've not seen this. It was too late for me, and now I'm just waiting for it to drop on the streaming service, uh, impatiently waiting. Because, yeah, I, I've obviously when you see the rating, when when something two, three, four months after a, the, a theater release stays above a four out of five or a nine out of ten or an eight out of ten, like that's impressive. Because, right, you see mm-hmm. the high. Oh, it's an eight point four. Oh, it's a four point six. And then as it goes through the theaters, uh, it's life. It kind of dwindles down. But, man, this has stayed consistent. And then, like, yeah. again, you you enjoyed it a lot. So, yeah, I'm just kind of waiting because I want to see this. <laughs> I would I would put this on don't even wait for it to be free on a streaming service. Mm. If you can rent it on Amazon, I would rent it. But if they're doing that like $20 rental thing and it's you and another person or you and two other people, watch the dang thing and split the $20 between you. That's how good this movie is. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, hey, it's on Prime Video for 
There you go. Watch it. Five dollars at an absolute steal. An yeah. absolute steal for how much fun you're gonna have. And many others, but that's the most prominent one. So yeah. Wow. Okay. Oh, I've been wanting to watch this. So I'm excited too. Um. All right. My this this is number one. So this is for me the worst movie that I have seen that has been released in 2022. Number one, far and away, uh, the most unenjoyable one. Actually, that I've wait, seen. wait, 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 David. I want you to say this. Can I do mine first, real quick, and then we can both? Yes. Talk yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Go okay. ahead. Go ahead. So my the worst movie that I've seen in 2022. Uh, you'll understand why I'm kind of stealing David's thunder right now. It's Interceptor. Um, and it's not, it's not that terrible of a movie. It's a bad movie. It, it's poorly made. It's a cheap Netflix action movie, but it has good bones and it has promise. Uh, it, it's got a wonky, absolutely wonky world ending plot where there's only two places on the planet that are on in the U S that can intercept nuclear missiles coming in. And one of them gets destroyed. And then we see that there's a plot for the other one to get taken down as well. Um, it, it is a movie that stars Elsa Pataki, who probably your most famous role to most people will be. She is the cop that falls in love with Dom Toretto in Fast Five and then has a kid with him. She is also, um, in real life, she is Chris Hemsworth's wife. Um, he is in this movie and also a producer on it, but the only role that he's in is kind of as a joke part, which is actually the funniest part. I think there were some promising action scenes, but the dialogue and the acting at points is just so bad that it's hard to get over. Um, mm. I, and I, I, I don't think it's even on her. Um, she is, I, I would assume based off of her accent, I think she's from Spain. She's not a native English speaker, um, which the plot hinges on her being a U.S. Army captain, which I'm not saying is not possible, but it, it seems kind of weird for a non-native English speaker to be, you know, the lead in a movie where she's speaking English the whole time. I think quite honestly, they mm. should have just made this movie with her and had her speak her Spanish the whole time, and it would have been much better um, because mm. she's clearly kind of struggling through some of the lines and also some of the line reading she has to give in this movie are absolutely ridiculous. So mm. it, it's a it's a Netflix action throwaway movie that was really only got my attention because its executive producer was Chris Hensworth, which is why I clicked on it. Um, I wouldn't, unless you're really, really in need of an action movie, I would not turn this on. That's you. Okay. E- even if like a group of people are watching it, you'd be like, you'd probably be like, no guys, let's find something else. I, I would say that if, if you, everybody really desires to watch it, then yeah, that's fine. But it's, there's, there's so many other action movies that are better on the platform that you might as well just use your time watching those. So it's rough. All right. It's, it's rough. Okay. Yep. All right. So, you know, now me, uh, my, the, actually not even mine, Nathan and I's honestly worst, Oh, he's getting ready for this. Our our worst movie that we have seen in the year 2022, and that Absolutely. would be the 2022 version of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I hate uh, it was bad. Uh, first of all, the, the acting was terrible. Uh, that's that's the kind of the easy one to say. Um, just again, stupid decision making. It's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but that just always pisses you off. But for me, the third thing, just the over-excessive amount of blood use was just honestly, like, disgusting. Like, I, I can take gore. I can I can watch gore, and it doesn't affect me. Like, I was feeling queasy, and I was just disgusted because it was unneeded and it was overused uh, mm-hmm. on top of the piss-poor acting and um, all of this, that weak plot pissed after this. It was bad. Like, 
you know, you people, you watch movies sometimes and you're laughing because it's bad. This was past that. Like it, it's like past being slap happy when you're just pissed off because I was just upset. Like I wasn't even like, oh, that was a bad movie. That was fun that we all enjoyed that. It was like, no, like I'm actually upset that we just had to watch that. Nathan, yeah. Nathan what, are, what are your thoughts on this movie? <laughs> yeah, so um, as David said, the over-the-top uh, blood and gore, and yes, you could say to me, you're watching a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Shouldn't you have expected that? I would challenge you to go rewatch the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. And that, that is not at all where that movie was coming in. And a lot of the, you know, horrifying things that were happening were off screen and were scarier because of it. Um, I, I got queasy too. I actually had to leave the room and it's not even because of the, the violence, but because of how long the scene lasts and how much time it takes. But I will never forget. This is the dumbest. And I mean that with my whole heart, dumbest sequence in an entire movie is when Leatherface gets on this tour bus uh, to kill these people and a dude has a phone in his face and says, try anything and you're canceled, bro. The filmmakers probably thought that was hilarious. I thought it means they should never be near a camera again. Uh, I hate this movie with my whole heart. I'm not going to read my Letterboxd review because then we'd have to mark this as an explicit podcast <laughs> episode. But my letterbox review is very scathing of this. It, 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 nothing was good. Nothing was promising. It has all of the bad tropes of a horror movie and that characters never die. And, you know, and the guy comes back at the end for one final kill. And there's a whole, they put an entire self-driving car thing in this just for one kill at the end of the movie. They make that a major plot point in this film. There's so many times where you're like, why aren't you guys doing smart things? And I know that, Sometimes it's a stupid critique in horror movies. Like, they're terrified. Why would they do that? But, I, it, it, again, like, a, a lot of this stuff is just extremely stupid. There's one point where a character is lifted up by a chainsaw and essentially cut in half. That character then later gets back up. Just a normal human gets back up and then shoots a shotgun. Um, I, I just <laughs> cannot describe how oh. unbelievably stupid and devoid of promise, hope, light filmmaking ability anything this movie is don't waste your time with this absolute garbage yeah it was, it was bad and that that tour bus scene there's like 20 people and like he literally just starts slicing every single person he's cutting people in half that's so interesting it's just the worst also dude that wouldn't happen your chainsaw's dull like you ain't just gonna slice through spines that easily first of all and that line again, yeah, oh my goodness, this movie was really rough, really, really rough to watch. And uh, I, think, I think the filmmakers were trying to make some social commentary about gentrification in this movie, because that's kind of the plot, is that they go to this abandoned Texas town, and they're pretty, people are pretty much going to purchase the whole town and then fix it up and make it nice. Um, all of that, all of that cool, you know, subplot that you're trying to push on me or, or the idea of gentrification all goes out the window when you have a character say, try anything and you're canceled, bro. When he's yeah. staring at a guy that's holding a chainsaw on his face. Blood on him, mask get over, the, yeah. Get the hell out. Go, yeah. go away. Never make a movie again, kindly. Yeah, sorry, David Blue Garcia, your I will second... never watch anything your name is attached to ever again. Yeah, that's yeah, that's rough. And, and honestly, like we may sound mean, but man, if you've watched, just, 
this was bad. It was frustrating. We watched it with bad. a room. We watched it with a room full of people too, and not a single person had a positive any in any way positive thing to say about this movie. You know, no, it was, we watched it, it with hard what, eight people in the room, I think, at one point. So one, two, yeah, six or yeah, six or seven. Yeah, one of them had never watched a movie with us before, so I was like, ah, oh, sorry, Malachi, you probably hate us now. <laughs> this is yeah. not what we usually do. But uh, yeah. yeah, man, and, this was rough. and this is Dave and I's fault. We we saw it. We both were like, huh, this this might be interesting. It's in the top ten on Netflix, and you know, tech, another Texas Chainsaw movie. Let's try it. Mm, we were stupid. That's the worst decision I've made this well, year. Here's the thing, though. It was one of those movies like we know it's not going to be the greatest, but it'll be funny. Like it'll be funny to watch. Wasn't uh, even funny. And wasn't even uh, funny. We've been using this scale as a balance. If a group of people wanted to watch this, I would either convince them not to, or I people I'm not Stop messing around to them. Yeah, I would no, I would like leave. I'm like I'm not gonna watch. Legit, leave the room because I just yeah. refuse to watch this again. I said on an earlier podcast that the social network is like my barometer for if you hate the social network for a, like a dumb reason. If you're like the social network is boring then I will never take a film recommendation from you. The same would apply to if you think this movie is in any way decent, I will never listen to anything. Like you can have your opinion. That's great. But if you ever try to recommend a movie for me and you think this movie's decent, I'm out. Sorry. Nope. Yeah. Not going to watch it. Not going to watch it. Yeah. But I say the only positive of these movies is the letterbox reviews are always just gold. They're always yeah, so that is funny. True. That is true. But uh, yeah, bad movie, bad, bad movie. And honestly, you're probably going to watch this now because we're talking so much about how much we hate it. I really wouldn't. And if you do, definitely don't be eating. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yep. It's bad. All right. We're a good thing we're not ending on this note. PTL. Because now uh, you want to go next or you want me to? Uh, I can can do mine. Um, Yeah. Cool. So. My my movie that I my favorite movie that I have listed is 2022, which is probably honestly in second, but recency bias has been putting it at one. It's RRR, Rise, Roar, Revolt. It is a three-hour historical fiction movie that is on Netflix, a Tollywood film. So uh, Tollywood is a another like big movie making area in India that uses, I believe, a different language than Bollywood, which is why there's a, like a clear distinction. Um, and it's kind of the little brother of Bollywood. I'm not super familiar with Tollywood cinema, um, but I think I might be after watching this movie. This <laughs> is, so I said everything about everything everywhere all at once being insane and stuff. And this movie is the exact same bill. Um, there is a moment where a guy grabs a um, torch, like fire torch gauntlet thing, straps it to his arm, sprints full speed at a tiger jumps and then punches the tiger in the face with the torch. And that isn't even one of the three craziest things that happens in this movie. Wow. You know, this is just an insane, it's got like eight different genres of stuff. There's romantic comedy elements. It's a bromance movie for sure. There's a lot of action set pieces. David's going to be surprised at this, but there's even musical numbers that are really entertaining to me. Come on, come on, let's go. Like this movie is just so much fun and it's so magnetic and I enjoyed it so so much. It's it's what I wish American blockbusters were more, which is, this movie knows exactly what it is, exactly what it's going for, and it's unabashedly doing that. Um, I've been told that hallmarks of Tollywood uh, cinema is like 
whenever it's an action movie, it's over the top like action, but the CGI is still quality. And I would describe that this movie fits that to a T. The lot of the wow. action set pieces are absolutely insane and over the top. And sometimes the CGI falters a little bit, but not enough to hinder your enjoyment. Um, everybody in this movie feels like they're super powered essentially, but the specifically, I would say that the two main characters and their relationship is so good. And mm-hmm. it's, it's what this entire movie rests upon. And it is so good, so well done, so well acted that it's just turned into one of my favorite movies. And it's a shame that this has less than 50,000 watches on Letterboxd. This is free on Netflix right now if you have a Netflix subscription. I know it's three hours. That seems daunting. I promise it's worth your time. You are not going to be bored. I can guarantee you that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the top review on Letterboxd is RRR is the best action movie of the year the best musical of the year, the best romantic comedy of the year, the best historical drama of the year, and the best movie ever made about fighting colonialism with dance battles and armies of rampaging animals, and most of all, friendship. That's a loaded yeah. review. That's crazy. And that's, that, that is exactly what that movie is. It's all of mm-hmm. those things wrapped into one movie. And yeah, it's just, it's so great. I, I, it was impossible for me to not smile while watching this. It's just, mm-hmm. it was so fun throughout that's cool so. that's cool yeah i saw it on netflix um like critically acclaimed uh, films you know i always go to the, that thing to see a movie because if you're not careful in netflix you'll just watch the worst movie of all time yeah, uh, the netflix top 10 is like 80 percent garbage yeah and I, and I saw that and i was like uh what is that i've never heard of it and you know i looked it up and stuff and then like the next day i saw that you'd seen it i was like did i like miss a movie did i miss this somehow so how did you see it did this did um Sean Finnessy is, see it? Did you happen to see it on Netflix? What? Well, like yeah, what? so for people that don't know, Sean Finnessy is a, I don't even know if it classify him as a movie critic, but he works at a publication called The Ringer, has a really good podcast, and I listen to a lot of his stuff and follow a lot of his movies. But honestly, I found out this movie first through TikTok. Like mm-hmm. I saw somebody was like, RRR just dropped on Netflix. Everybody has to watch this. And normally when people say that, it's like, you know, The Kissing Booth 3 is out. <laughs> you're like you're like like, i'm not i'm not doing this but then they showed a clip from the movie the clip that i was actually talking about the dude jumping and then punching the tiger with the torch and i was like oh yeah okay uh yeah i'm in i'm in so i i you know i waited and waited until like a friday night when i knew i would have three three hour movie wasn't going to be a problem (laughs) because i didn't have to wake up for work in the morning and i watched it and bam had a fantastic time so that's cool that's really cool. I love, honestly, like, it's kind of nice when you can see a movie like this, like Parasite, like this, like everything everywhere all at once. You can get outside the, like, the American mold of movies, of, like, the money-making goal, the top actor bid goal. Like, you know, like, it's like, this is what they have, and they're going to do the best they can. And, like, it turns out to be really quality stuff. So another one, like, this, you, those two I'm wanting to watch, and I can watch Triple R as soon as I want to, because it is already out. So that's nice. Yeah. And I think that this, a lot of people will see this and see a barrier to subtitles. And I used to be that same way too. I did not like Mm -hmm. to watch movies with subtitles. I would say I would challenge everybody that has that opinion now just open yourself up to these movies. This movie is so good that you don't really realize that you can't understand the language, just hearing it and that you have to read Mm -hmm. subtitles. And there's parts where you like large, large swaths of this movie. You don't even need, to be able 
to know what the, the characters are saying to understand what's going on. Like it's a movie that's so well crafted that you can understand that way. And I forgot I was reading subtitles, you know, and the, and the best movies can do that. Um, yeah. I, and I, Parasite did that. And for me, RRR did that. So yeah, I would, ch- I would, I would say if you're hesitant because this movie's going to be in a different language, go out and watch it. Yeah. That's cool. All right. My favorite movie of 2022 is probably the most successful movie of the year so far. Uh, and that's Top Gun Maverick um, made over a billion dollars worldwide. And it's still growing. Uh, man, beautiful, beautiful movie. We, we actually, we might've taken a whole podcast to talk about this, but um, it, I just was blown away by it. Um, was absolutely a theater watch. And I'm glad I watched it in the movie theater because the visuals were out of this world. There probably was CGI used, but I would go out on a limb and say they, they didn't even use CGI in this movie because these actors actually, that just blows me away. For sure. I mean, there's missiles being shot at them. They didn't shoot missiles at them in real life. That's a good point. Uh, that is, yeah, CGI. That's true. Hey, the method acting, uh, is serious. No, but, but it does blow me away that these like Miles Teller and Glenn Powell and a lot of these actors like learned how to fly F-18s and like, flew them for the movie like man that could have been so easy to put a green screen around them and make it look really good but like mm-hmm. tom cruise made it a point like no we're like they're all flying actually the actually flying these f-18s and honestly it, it paid off on the screen for me and obviously it, it paid off for them making 10 times what they spent on the movie because it was beautiful uh, you kind of mentioned everything everywhere all at once just so emotionally involved honestly i was that for this movie i was Pump, I was fist pumping at points in the movie. Uh, I almost, like, I started tearing up, honestly, at one part in the movie. Uh, heart was beaten. I was nervous at one part in the movie. Like, it just had me, this movie had me, uh, just had my attention. And uh, it's also one of those movies, like, I've talked to people my dad's age, and I've talked to people my age, and, like, alike. Everyone was like, that was really good. That was really entertaining. So mm-hmm. I love this movie. Absolutely loved it. Um, this is one of those movies it's not honestly right now in my top 16, but like this might be one of those movies. If there may not be a limit to how many times I watch it, like I could watch this over and over again, probably and be entertained every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the epitome of a rewatchable movie. I would say, I, I, I think, I don't think you were saying this. They did. They're not actually flying the planes in the movie, obviously, because the Navy wouldn't let them do that, but you are correct in that there's not green screen. They're up in the planes. Which is, yeah, and you talked about, I think on two episodes ago, or whenever we had mentioned Top Gun Maverick, 4th of July movies, that's when we mentioned it. You talked about the G-Force training um, and stuff that's so important. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is just a universal, like, I have yet to meet a person that didn't have a good time watching this movie. I watched it for the first time opening weekend, and then I also watched it two weeks later with my uh family when they came down um for vacation and my brother who has seen probably five movies in the past five years maybe watched that movie and i was kind of he was the one i was worried about would he have a good time because he's not a movie person he doesn't like it but dude was like wrapped the whole time attention forward Mm. loved every second of it came out and said that was amazing so mm-hmm. I think that's everybody's. You've probably already seen it. I would challenge you to go see it again, especially I would say if you saw it in a smaller theater on a smaller screen 
or a place that didn't have great sound, if you have the ability to go to the biggest screen you can find possible and watch this movie again on that. I know they're yeah. still showing in IMAX places. It probably will be because this movie is still making gobs of money. I yeah. would I would recommend you go do that because I watched this movie on a humongous screen and it was one of the best theater experiences I've ever had. You know, even trumping everything everywhere all at once, just because the way that this movie is designed, it's designed to be enjoyed that way. That's why Tom Cruise fought not to let this movie just drop to Paramount Plus, but for people to actually see it in theaters. And, yeah. you know, we're seeing the benefits of that. And on the condition that minimal CGI would be used. I think I read on trivia, like, he, he said he wouldn't be in the movie if they used, uh, you know, a decent yeah. amount of CGI. And, again, it's paying off. I think we're seeing, like, which is, it, it confuses me why a lot of co- studios and, and, and directors do this. is because, like, we see movies like Everything Everywhere All at Once or uh, Top Gun. Like, they put the effort in and film, like, quality quality movies with minimal CGI or minimal, um, you know, cheap special effects. And like, it pays off. Like this movie's making over a billion dollars. So why aren't we seeing more studios and directors do that? You know, but mm-hmm. I think it's just, yeah. it's probably just comes down to, you know, at this point, CGI is not cheap, but it's probably cheaper than what they made. Tom Cruise made them go through on this movie. But again, you, you get what you pay for. And yeah, you know, Tom Cruise has long been a stalwart of, of making things realistic, dating all the way back to some of his first movies. You know, he's in the movie Cocktail where he's a bartender and he learned how to be a bartender and flip bottles, you know, mm-hmm. and in The Color of Money, a movie where Tom Cruise is a nine ball player, he learned how to play nine ball and got to be one a fantastic nine ball player. And he does this in the Mission Impossible stuff. You know, he's doing his own stunts. He's He wants everything to be realistic. And he for all the weird strange things about tom cruise's personal life i love it whenever tom cruise makes a movie because i know that i'm gonna see something insane every time i go and and real yeah exactly and i cannot wait for this new mission impossible dead reckoning i hate that they're splitting it into part one and part two i hate when movies do that yeah Um, but i'm still excited because i know tom cruise is gonna do some over-the-top insane stuff and he's gonna he's gonna put it all out there for me the viewer and you gotta respect that yeah. Well, we've even seen this with like specifically like Christopher Nolan. He's been known for using practical effects, you know, in Dark Knight, flipping the semi in the street. In his newest film, Tenet, he actually crashed a 747 into it, like an air, airplane hangar. Like you get what you pay for. And I think Christopher Nolan specifically in all the movies that he's released, obviously Interstellar was some CGI because that movie's just literally in space. Um but like it, it's paid off for those for someone like him. So yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's been our bottom three and our top three. Really, it, it really was bottom one for you, I guess. Yeah. Bottom two, but like the th- number three for us was like, yeah, they were just not the best, but they weren't yeah, like no, no terrible but, like Texas Chainsaw was. No, the the Texas this whole podcast was just designed so we could talk about how much we hated that movie because I need. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I may have gotten a little too heated there. I I apologize for anybody that was kind of scared. If you're driving and had to pull over, I'm sorry, but you know, that's just how I feel. Yeah. Hey, I appreciate the honesty. But uh, yeah, this has been episode 22 of What Do You Want to Watch? Uh, thank you all for listening. Had a blast, and we will talk to you next week. Bye.